Dear, dear listener, hi, this is John Dupuy. I want to ask a favor of you. If you like the podcast, A Deep Transformation, and you're getting a lot out of it, could you please help us by going to wherever you get your podcast? It's a Spotify or Apple or wherever it is, and write, write a review. That would really help us to get this out. We really believe in what we're doing, and we're really praying and hoping this is helping people and being part of the solution. So if you could do that, it would be greatly appreciated by Roger, myself, and our team. God bless. Thank you. Welcome back, John Dupuy, yet again. And I want to tell you about this conversation with dear friends of mine, the couple Katharina Yasko and Vitas Butunas. And they have been part of the war, helping their country since the very beginning. And this is one year later, and they're reporting to what's going on. And I think you will find it very inspiring. They also share a song, which I wrote called Ukraine, and people are really responding that too. So listen to this for inspiration and an update. Welcome to Deep Transformation, self, society, spirit, life-enhancing, paradigm-rattling conversations with cutting-edge thinkers, contemplatives, and activists with Dr. Roger Walsh and John Dupuy. Join us in the evolutionary fast lane as we take a deep dive into transformational practice, peak experience, profound understanding, powerful contribution. I'm John Dupuy. Dr. Roger Walsh, my co-host, is on two-month retreat right now. I talked to him the other day, and he was very supportive of what we're doing here, So, but he can't be here. And I want to introduce, I think this is the third time that we've, we've had this conversation. And of course, we met in, in Europe and, have, you know, we've been connected over the years for various things and more connected as this whole situation of the invasion of Ukraine developed. And this is Katia or Katarina Yasko and doctor. She's a psychologist and her noble, beautiful husband is, let me see if I, Vidas Buchunas. Uchunas, Uchunas. And he, as far as I understand, working in the world of banking and finance at a pretty high level and, and international stuff. And so these are just, you know, before this happened, they were doing great work and they've been on it ever since. And those of you who have been listening to this, you know how moved and touched and how I've been trying to do everything I can support this just absolutely unjustified, blatant, murderous invasion of Ukraine. I've never, I've never seen such a black and white situation in my life. And, and to know it's not because the United States threatened Russia or this or that. That's just apologists for Putin. I don't buy it. I won't get in there. But yeah, so we're here today and we're here to, to recognize and commemorate January 24th, the one year beginning of the special military operation or the invasion of Ukraine. February 24th. It's February 24th. I'm sorry. I'm not very linear. Thanks. So catch us up. Where do you guys want to start and where do you want to go? And let me say at the end of this or somewhere toward the end, there's a song that I recorded called Ukraine that I just prayed, God, give me a song for this. I hadn't written a protest song or anything in 20 years. And how do you write something that expresses what's going on and can keep in mind what is happening and and I think it I think it beautifully captures this moment in history so stay tuned for that all right you guys so catch us up what do you want us to know what has your experience been and and I'll ask more questions but just let's get rolling god bless you guys it's really good to see you likewise John good to see you 
And, and thanks for having us again. Yeah, it's a, a pure Long pleasure. Yeah, and and a very small co correction. I was a banker for 20 years before, but for the last six years, I'm in leadership development. I'm working with top management teams of, of Ukrainian corporations and now more engaged with civil leaders and the other spheres. So for the, would you would you like to start? Yeah, I would like to start from expressing our deepest gratitude to you and to the iAwake partners and the sponsors of the causes that you have been um, bringing uh, into this space. And we have received a lot of support, especially during the heaviest months of spring and uh, beginning of summer. So I just want to reiterate how grateful we are for, for all these efforts and also to you personally, John and Pam and Roger and your team for just disseminating the truth uh, for letting the world know because it's very interesting and complicated moment in life in in the world history we believe and i really liked the way you've put it there has hasn't been so many black and white situations as this one and we believe this is the way it really is so thank you very much for that yeah. Yes, indeed. And thank you for counterfighting this, these popular narratives that we all know where are they coming from. It's not that simple, you know, it's not that simple. It's not that black and white. Unfortunately, in some cases, it is. It is either or. And, and unfortunately, in this, in this war, we don't see any kind of semitones. And it's only about about the Ukrainian victory that we should worry about and put all our efforts into. So, so updating from 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 the Ukrainian side, it, as you know, the Ukrainians are fighting like hell, and and they're doing great job on the front line, thanks to the support of all the Western com countries and especially the U.S. We are deeply deeply grateful, and never have we been more interested in the role of the USA as the world policeman, as as they say, you know, as, as now. And it's it's extremely important. Of course, there are many people who are saying like, hey, it's all about America. It's, it is starting all the wars and blah, blah, blah. But unfortunately, it's a very, sh very shallow, uh, shallow approach because America doing nothing would create much more mess in, in many ways globally than and then then really really standing for in this case for ukraine because what what i think is for, for a free new democracy that's struggling to get its act together in a very noble way and zulinski was great watch his television show what's what's the name of it uh, a servant of people a servant of the people i mean it happened right before you know he became president and it really shows his heart you know what what he was looking at and you get a sense of ukrainians as people struggling with the corruption and trying to clean things up and this massive problems and it's the weirdest thing to see this man playing the president that just a short time later would actually become a president and actually become a president in the time of greatest trial in well god ukraine's been through so much but one of the greatest trials that the ukrainian nation has ever has ever been through Exactly. I, and I can tell as a leadership development professional that his, his unfolding of leadership, his uh, 
becoming a mature and 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 strong and creative leader was is continuing to be a beautiful thing to observe from from many angles. It's really beautiful. His speech at the Joint Houses of Congress in, in the U.S. He, he got on a plane. He has been in right on the front line and flew over unannounced, obviously, and got there and just went in with his very simple clothes and delivered a speech that you know all these warring parties that just gave him a standing ovation it just it was just brilliant and it's probably the most important speech since churchill came there at the beginning of world war ii before the u.s was in the war and i'd never seen anything like it and he gave a he gave a ukrainian flag that was impressive and he was awarded a big american flag and they wanted to take it away from him He, he kept holding it he walked out with it it was just it was just incredibly impressive yeah we were almost crying at that moment. Yeah, yeah watching. I was there, watching his life. life. And of course, we are not idealizing Zelensky. He has his his weaknesses. Of course, he might be not the best president for peacetime, but for the wartime, it's we are really lucky to have have his stamina, his stance, his his backbone, and perseverance. Perseverance, many many good qualities, and this is a beautiful kind of unfolding of leadership. Well, he'll he'll need a break after the victory, you know. And if Definitely. he can get over some, maybe you guys, either one of you would be a good a good president, I think, actually. But yeah, it's been extraordinary. And and you know what I say that you know in in our postmodern society, we've become so cynical. Everybody's the same. It's all blah blah blah, and so you don't do anything. Well, Ukraine has told us again that the age of heroes did not die. It is alive and well and going on as we speak. It's truly extraordinary. And there are things worth dying for, and therefore there are things worth living for. So snap out of it and and live your life at a deep level that matters, that serves your people and serves the world. Yes, and uh, this is something I believe Zelensky, coming back shortly to, to him, has been trying to show that it's the virtues that matter. You really need to have lead a meaningful life. And the Ukrainian people with our current horizontal structures of volunteers and everybody is uh, continuing to support the Ukrainian army, old entrepreneurs like we personally, sometimes through the international friends, sometimes not basically not sometimes, but often by our own on our own, as we continue to believe that there is something extremely meaningful that is emerging, and this deserves support, and this shows and highlights the the new kind of we call it the meta modern cultural code. Like there is value of empathy, there is value of being able to stand for the values. And to use force in order to protect these values, because we live in an extremely complicated world. Different stages of consciousness interact all the time. And in order to find solutions for this complexity, we need to be prepared. And democracies, they need to have guts in in order to be able to act. And I think that this is exactly what is happening at the moment. That slowly but surely, Europe, 
I mean, Western Europe, because there were no problems with that in the Eastern Europe, like in Baltic states, Baltic states have been telling for years uh, to the so-called old Europe, to Germany, France, etc., that it's going to happen. And it's super dangerous to lead this realpolitik game with Putin. And they didn't believe. They tried to appease. They tried to soothe and to do business with, uh, with the authoritarian regime and with the crazy autocrats. So now uh, we, we believe that Europe has awakened and hopefully states as well. There is also some influence over there that you can feel that democracy, it needs to be fully ready for a possibly long-term battle for its values. And it may last much longer than after Ukraine uh, wins. Who knows how many battles between democracy and autocracy are ahead? That's right. It, there's really worldviews that are that are clashing right now. It's it's very important stuff. And I'd like to emphasize one important aspect that Katya just touched: that what is happening in Ukraine that it is integrated those two extremely important polarities of love and power that they're they're really integrated there that that you know this postmodern love and peace and wanting for peace and forgiving everyone and hugging and, and you know approaching each other with flowers and with the with ayahuasca is not enough love is not enough rephrasing the beatles song you know all you need is love not not love is not all we need we also need power as it as it turns yeah, yeah. it's not a time of peace you know in ecclesiastes says there's a time for love there's a time for sowing there's a time for reaping there's a time for peace and there's also a time of war and in three places in the old testament in the prophets it also says and people cry peace peace when there is no peace doesn't do any good just to wish for peace when yeah the more you seek peace the the, the greater war you get kind of you know and and roger who is he's never told anybody this but he's a he's been a tibetan buddhist practitioner for many years and teacher and he's also been awarded the title of lama i had heard them speaking to another buddhist teacher and i thought roger really you know he'll probably not be too happy for saying that but he told me that and this is coming from somebody who's very been very devoted in 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 other traditions but very enmeshed in that one he said when the chinese invaded tibet the Dalai Lama told them to stop fighting. And that led to the slaughter of 2 million Tibetans when they didn't fight. You know, as much as I honor and love that, that was the wrong move, the wrong people at the wrong time. And sometimes you just got to fight. You know, we talked on the progressive side of things, it's very hard for Green in the integral sense to wrap its head around fighting, you know, because it's, you know, can't we all be like Gandhi and everything? Well, Gandhi worked because he was dealing with the Brits at a time when they were ready to hear him. Otherwise, it wouldn't have worked. If you tried that with Hitler, the tank would have run right off. Yeah. So you have to do what you have to do at the right time. Oh, and we, we talk about the military-industrial complex, which Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, talked about in his last speech before he, he stepped down from being president. And it's like, thank God our military-industrial complex works. You know, the weapons that we send actually work, whereas the weapons from from Russia that are in this very corrupt from the top down, stealing, 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 trying to get everything can they, of their manufacturing process function somewhat 
in in a nineteen sixty or fifty tradition, but they don't function very well. And that's again, it's part of the corruption. Fortunately, we're so happy about the Russian corruption. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's a big advantage, a big advantage. And so our stuff does work. And, you know, God forbid that we ever had to use it, but now we have to use it. And thank God it's it's preserving freedom. And I'll just say one more thing. Putin was very clear about his designs. He said that the fall of the Soviet Union was the greatest disaster of the 20th century, like worse than World War One and World War Two. But in his mind, it was. And he stated over and over again that what he wants to do is reclaim all the all the countries that were lost when, when the Soviet Union collapsed. And now all these, you know, free countries. And he's been gobbling up the small countries around him. And then he got away with the invasion of Crimea. And he, you know, brought all his troops in his mind. He has this great army and everything. And they invaded Ukraine, which has no natural boundaries, no natural defenses. It's just flat. There's a few rivers, but there's no mountains or anything. And he was just going to roll in. Bam. And Ukrainian people woke up and there was this battle at the airport where he sent a brigade of, you know, the best paratroopers in and they were going to seize it. And then they were just going to fly in the troops, fly in the troops and go in and murder Zelensky and take over, wave the flag. Right. Well, they fought back and they couldn't get to the airport. I mean, it was just like they just, you know, and these were like reserve troops and everything that just came together. And it's one of the most heroic, consequential battles in, in modern history. It's really an extraordinary moment. What can you say but glory to heroes, right? Uh, which is one of the, the national greeting in Ukraine is, is glory to Ukraine and glory to heroes. Of course, it's in Ukraine. And yeah, the heroes were there and they won that battle and that stopped everything in its tracks. In a way, it's as simple as it is. It's an existential war. It's very important to remember that for Ukraine and Ukrainians, there is no choice. Well, we may say in the postmodern world, we may say that there is always choice. But if we look at it from the perspective that not to search for meaning in life, but to what meanings do we want to give our life to? Like which meanings, which senses do we want to enliven, right? Then it's just there is no choice. If you want to live in a country where you have freedom, democracy, a right for dignity, right to live your lives and right for your future generations to be alive, basically just to, to have the, the kinship and the hope that we will have grandchildren who will call themselves Ukrainians, then you have to fight back. Exactly. The, the same axiom, axiom still stands that if, if Russia stops fighting, there is no more war. If Ukraine stop, stops fighting, there is no more Ukraine. And that's the fact. There is no peace alternative. Putin indeed seeks for peace at the moment because he wants to lick his wounds and rebuild his regain his power and come back with the with a new level of rage you know but but there's no alternative in like breaking up and and then living peacefully no that does not exist even theoretically yeah that's exactly right and the only thing he could do is just get the hell out of all this country all this that, he, that he's tried to annex and steal and conquer to include crimea and you know but it doesn't seem that he cycle in his psyche he can do that and he keeps calling up more and more russians to fight and they are going into combat with 
AK-47s left over from, you know, 1960, very little food, very little ammo, almost no training. And they're just forcing what the Russian soldiers call the meat grinder. They're just being forced leader to just keep on going, keep on going. And Putin could care less how many bodies it takes. But things are getting worse in Russia. Things are getting, they are trying to mask it, to sugarcoat it, but things are really, really getting worse, including socially. Very many people, they they really hate this war, but they, they are not allowed to, to express themselves. So even when they're doing all those, all those surveys, you know, social, so, social surveys, they, they all, of course, most of them so kind of express their support, but the economic situation is getting worse. The political situation, the level of freedom is pretty much non-existent. And I think that the tensions in the elites in Russia are growing to the extent that we, we can't imagine. So we can't say that he kind of can allow as many people to die as possible without any consequences. He he is facing consequences and he's going. I think that that there will be enormous changes in Russia and hopefully the, the sooner the better. And the Ukrainians are fighting for that. As well. This is something we want to emphasize. And this is the perspective that doesn't sound that much in the Western world. Ukraine is also fighting for the future of Russia, for the future of Belarus. Because only if Ukraine wins, and we want to reiterate wins, the victory is needed, not peace. But the victory of Ukraine is necessary. Victory for us is, first of all, that Russia liberates all the territory of Ukraine as of status 1991, when there was a referendum in all parts of Ukraine, including Crimea, and all the citizens of Ukraine have voted for independence of Ukraine. And these are the internationally recognized borders. Internationally recognized borders. And, uh, of course, the reparations is another important issue because the damage that was caused to Ukraine is absolutely enormous. But anyway, something very important to to reiterate is that Russia, in order to have a chance to reinvent itself, needs to lose this war. The Russian imperialism needs to die. The Russian ambition to to be the older brother for the nations like Georgia, Ukraine, Lithuania, Armenia, even Poland, Poland, it has to die because it just there is no reason for it. It's irrelevant, and it's still there. It's still part of the cultural code. It's not that we have clear solutions or suggestions of course it's a very complicated process and we read about how germany have been going through and other countries not just germany but those who suffered from the fascist regimes were going through this and that it took not one generation to really integrate the guilt and responsibility and avoid the we can call it the gaps or the blind spots or pitfalls, like with Germany, for example, just something I, I want to also reiterate that finally, maybe this in 2022, previous year, we saw some justice coming out to the surface in Germany in relation to their responsibility, not only in relation to Russians, 
for the Second World War. But for to Ukrainians, Belarusians, Georgians, and all other nations that have been fighting and losing even more people than than Russians did. Ukrainians yeah. and Belarusians lost more population in the Second World War than Russians. But Russia has Appropriate. appropriated the damage and the victory and the, and, memory, the yeah. and the memory and created the myth. And one of the reasons we believe Germany is so reluctant at the moment to support Ukraine is also not coming. A, not anymore. Not Better the, and better. There is a shift is happening, but we can remember from what we began when the Ukrainian ambassador received from one of the public of German public officials, why quote? Why bother? Why you bother? There over in three days. Yeah, just in the beginning of the war. So now it, it's shifting. So of course Russia will need to go through through processing, and I hope that here the international support will come and. Maybe even Ukrainians will will be of service in some time when we digest our own trauma in relation to what happened. But we believe it's a just war. Like it, there is justice in it. There is fairness in it. So speaking about, if you wish, that it's another part of the story, but speaking about the trauma, we also observe quite interesting phenomena in comparison to what is usually told about the traumatic experiences and PTSD to other wars to other wars like for example what is described what american soldiers experienced in vietnam in iraq afghanistan and other wars in ukraine it's totally different effect when we see that PTSD is much much less like the the effects are much much purpose and meaning here. Because purpose. there is purpose and meaning and there and is sense of thing, justice. The support of the society. Exactly. The support, the the the, the kind of the, the, the holding space of the whole society for those for those war veterans. Speaking if you if you'll allow uh, speaking about Russia, there's one more important issue we need to consider that there are more than one hundred different small nations in that prison, which most for the most of them and uh, their cultural life is very limited. I mean, living in, in Russia. And they some of them, they really seek some kind of autonomy or independence and dignity and respect, of course. So what we believe that the Ukraine winning will, will give some chance to, to all those nations. And, and there we come to a very kind of um, unspeakable kind of aspect of this war that I think one of the greatest what what Russia is threatening the West with there are two issues one is nuclear yep. nuclear attack which is another topic I'm I believe it's it's really really unlikely and another one Russia's disintegration that you will in the West you will have to deal with all this great country falling apart falling, apart, falling into pieces and then you won't be able to manage it they're exploiting this narrative really seriously both explicitly and implicitly and i think that the western political leadership is still not not ready to accept that that risk but the thing is i think that that risk is there and in course to a high degree it's it's quite unavoidable if the russian kind of political regime falls apart some some processes will be happening and i deeply believe that the western countries as 
partly awaken as they are now, not in a spiritual terms, but in political terms, sure. they they would be able to manage and they will need to manage it. And that, that's that's something on the table. That would create a lot of new possibilities for many for many small nations. Well, you know, also one one point first and then another one. It's like I've been watching Russian propaganda you know, translations, and they say, we've got the most nuclear weapons and everything like that. What they never say is the other guys do too. And one British submarine could wipe out every major city in Russia. One little British submarine, not to mention what the U.S. has and France and, and all that, just what's up? So it's like, yeah, 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 you can, you know, do this, but it would be suicide. And and That's hopefully there would people would intervene if he ever got that crazy. But it's not just one sided. Yeah, we got those things too, and that kept the war mutually assured destruction kept kept the relatively peace for a long time. And also with Russia, the future could be becoming a part of a united peaceful Europe. Okay, if you look yeah. at the 20th century in Europe and you know, the 19th century, 17th and 15, on and on and on, it's been nothing but struggle and wars. And Europe has achieved this thing where France is not scared of Germany invading anymore. Spain is not afraid of France invading anymore. Holland's not afraid of, of the English coming in. Sweden is certainly not threatened by Spain. You know, they just... Okay. Democracies usually don't fight. Yeah, exactly. It just... Okay, so you guys could do that too. There's going to be a lot of work. and It's probably going to get worse there before it gets better. But... But not in the same setup. Yeah. You know, and, and still you like your German football team better than your, you know, your French football team or whatever. But that's just how democracies and peoples play with one another and compete in a good way. And that that's a possibility for Russia. It doesn't have to be just nothing. And I've been watching this show, YouTube show, 1420. I don't know if you've heard about it, but this, this little Russian guy goes off in the streets all over and asks Russians questions. And as the Chinese philosopher said in The Art of War, know your enemy. And it's really tragic. It's changing over the course of the war. More people are saying no, but you also see a lot of people are scared to say anything. They just run off. And if you go out in the rural areas, they're just kind of these these people from, from the Soviet era. And they remind me of, of people in America that just, and I've known older people that have just watched Fox News eight hours a day. And they just think, they're winning. NATO is invading Russia. The Nazis are coming. And they're just, yes, yes, we've got to defend Mother Russia. But a lot of young people don't buy it anymore. And they're starting to experience being called up and having friends die. And these are not happy people. There's very few that just go, you know, seek Heil. And, and that's ironic because the, the, the reason he invaded the special military operation was to get rid of the Nazis in Ukraine. And the irony was that every country has its Nazis, okay? You don't yeah, get to... We are, we are the Nazis. <laughs> well, anyway, we really have Nazis in the United States. So does Canada, so does England. Of course, and so does Ukraine. And But they're, they're invisible. They're well, literally... What, what was really ironic is the biggest supporters of Putin in the United States are the Nazis. Exactly. So they change their story because all his supporters are going to, wait a second, that's us and we like you. Oh. They came up with another reason, you know, because it's the Russian philosophy is one leader, one church, one people, one, you know, just basically Nazism with a Russian flavor uh, on it. So they're they're attacking the very thing that he is. 
And with his Gestapo, his secret police, his prisons, squelching protests through torture, imprisonment, intimidation, death, more and more of the oligarchs, the people that have power in Russia keep dying. You know, a whole mess of them have died in really horrible ways. Just a coincidence, I'm sure, right? And eventually, you know, it's just why any country wouldn't fight to his death not to be a part of that system is amazing. And Ukraine has showed us that, that there it is. There's a there's a good joke that Zelensky likes to tell. Uh, it's coming from from the Odessa Jewish culture. They have really really great jokes, and and uh, two guys meet, and and one is asking what is going on. So Russia is fighting NATO. How are things on the front? Russia is basically losing. And what about NATO? NATO didn't arrive yet. True. True. Yeah. yeah. Amen to that, brother. So, uh, are you guys, where are you currently? Currently, we are in Vilnius, in Lithuania, in my native town. We are traveling back and forth. We were in Kiev for Christmas and a New Year, and the Orthodox Christmas, which was on, on the 7th of January. So, basically, a good two weeks spent there. Of course, we got our our share of 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 missile attacks we spent some hours in uh, hiding in metro as as a bomb shelter i got called i was not dressed well enough just that was on the on the new year's eve 31st of december but generally the the spirit is very strong in in kiev and it, basically in all ukraine the people are consolidated everyone is busy everyone knows it's his or her purpose and meanings and what they're doing so so the whole energy and and social dynamics is really really like amazing and we are starting to plan our arrival back basically we we are here because of the youngest child that has cause of pandemic and then war didn't have any chance to receive any primary education basically so we decided to dedicate this year to him so that he would get a chance to go to school at least for one year. And then because of to, to a good school, yes. To a good school, yes. And then we are coming back a few times during spring and then uh in summer we plan to go back forever. Did your home get destroyed in, in Canada no. or was it your mother's no. with your mom's house? Yes, it's it's at the moment it's okay. We have our homes, my my parents' home and our home. We have we have our stuff there. It's waiting for us. Well, so. well tell, tell us what it's like. You know, you're in your house or you're someplace in Kiev, and you hear the the alarms go off. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, the air raid, air raid, air raid siren, and then everybody just heads to the undergrounds or or where. So usually always a good idea is to go hiding in the in the bomb shelter so almost every kind of apartment building has its its own um has its own bomb shelter uh, bomb shelter is in the basement but in Kiev it's pretty easy if you live close to metro to the underground then you go into the into those stations and many people gather there and basically spend spend time so you feel the vibrations as the rockets hit it's like can can you imagine that sometimes you hear the explosions of the rockets themselves although the the anti-missile kind of defense is 
very strong in Ukraine. Their hit ratio is above 80%, like around 85%, I think. So they are doing amazing job. I think they're doing better job than the those engineers who built, built those systems. They they planned that actually they're exceeding all the expectations. Nevertheless, some rockets still hit. So if you hear that in the in the distance of a few miles, then the whole world basically just goes Shakes. goes shaking. So on the 31st of December, when we were hiding in the metro, we were not going down the down the stairs in the in the in the depth. We were basically like few few levels down and where the entrance into the metro, but it was underground. So some anti-missile defense hit the rocket and it exploded somewhere above. We didn't see it, of course. But can you imagine there were like bank machines, the ATMs, and they were shaking in the underground. So the feeling is, I can I can tell that all the bravado evaporates instantly like you really start feeling the the danger with all your all fibers of your body but then people usually bring chairs and computers and, and chat tea and, coffee. and tea and coffee and it becomes normal life like people are doing their best in order to not just survive but to continue to live and this is something very interesting i believe in Ukraine, you understand that life is fragile and you start to appreciate it more than, than anywhere. And this is something we very deeply feel when we cross the border. Since we do it quite often, we have recognized this special vibe that you start to feel when you are moving on the Ukrainian territory. And by the way, just to maybe say a few words to your fellow friends, partners, and those who will listen to us. We are planning to have an event in autumn, possibly in the beginning of October, uh, together with our fellow friends from Emerge community. And we actually would like foreigners, our friends from all over the world, to let them experience this vibe. Of course, there will be a lot of care for safety, and we are already starting to speak about it. But we decided that the, we do not want to expect the end of the war. We do not, we cannot plan. Like there is nothing, no clarity about what's going to be in in six months or so. But this vibe and this touch with reality is very, very special. Yeah. And we think that in Ukraine, it's not from only military or political perspective, but many other perspectives, social, in terms of interaction between people, many things are emerging and something that you just cannot feel in other places. So we want to invite our fellow colleagues from all over the world to join this event, and it will be published very soon at the Emerge website and there will be announcements yeah it's going to happen in the beginning of october yeah well god willing i'm certainly planning to be there it'll be an incredible journey looking forward to it and i just looking at you guys your the energy that's coming off you you know you this your country's being invaded you you know you've been where the rockets are falling and there's so much light and courage and beauty and faith just coming through you and not just 
angry, traumatized, and I'm sure you've got a bunch of anger, but what's coming through you is, is truly amazing, and it's very admirable and noble. And I just want to say one thing that distinguishes Ukraine's fight against Russia is Russia purposely goes after civilian targets in exactly. order to make the pain worse. Ukraine fights the army, goes after military targets. It's just like there's no equality of anything there. Exactly. It's a disproportion of arms and Russia can shoot rockets for thousands of kilometers and the Ukrainians have what about, I don't know, now at HIMARS are fighting up to 80 or even 70 or something. Now, now the kilometers. new ones, kilometers, yeah. So the new ones should arrive, which would fight like about one, 150, 160, which is 100 miles. So basically, of course, with this disproportion of uh, technical possibilities, Ukrainians are doing a really amazing job. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And we also have to admit that the losses are very significant and we're yeah. losing the best of our men. And every day we're receiving very bad news. Yeah. Terrible losses and no, of course, no, no joy, no happiness, but the the spirit that we're speaking about and i think that you reflected on is really coming from the belief that ukraine is coming through a rebirth finally and through liberation a history of i don't know 400 500 years and plus and the whole the whole world is changing because they're changing the macro systems you know and meta systems and if you want to understand how the system is changing you, you need to come to the frontier of it so that's one of the ideas of this emerge gathering in autumn that you need to really come with embodied experience with all the embodied experience and experience what is happening there and reflect on the world changes from there from the frontier of the of the western civilization yeah, to me, it would be a, I don't know what the words are, a holy pilgrimage. Yes, that's yeah. the way we put it. By that's, the way. that's the way we plan it, because yeah. people would need to gather in one point in Poland, because the logistics to Poland is good, and the best routes are to Poland. So then we thought that the first stage would be from Poland to Lviv, which is very beautiful Western Ukrainian city, and spend a couple of days there. And then continuing pilgrimage to go from Lviv to Kiev and do the main kind of days of event there and have and visit some visit St. Sophia Cathedral visit and maybe some, have some events there. Some of well. the most important important places, including spiritual places, and maybe do some, of course, some cultural activities, maybe some social activities, and then pilgrimage back to Poland and then everyone goes home. So it would not be like you come, you check in into your hotel, you register for the conference, sit at your chair, and then go back, taxi, airport, shuttle, not, not that kind it's of It's going to be a spiritual journey. Absolutely. And I'm sure when you're just driving from Lithuania to Kiev, you, I mean, you see the war, you see the Russian tanks and all, you know, all these armored vehicles and all this stuff. It just must be a, an incredible, powerful experience. It is. It is shocking and it is awakening at the same time. It, is, it becomes real. Something we are also planning to do with our guests in, in autumn. We wish to show different angles of Ukraine, the diversity. And definitely the guests will be able to see the damage 
And basically to have this embodied experience of what is it, the Russian invasion? What are those Russian tanks that are going on you and shooting into your houses? You will have this, uh, this experience of touching it and, and looking at it and also maybe doing something together, like for, we're still not sure what it's going to be, but maybe contributing in some way. I mean, we want to use hands. We would not want, not only we want some intellectual thoughts as usual <laughs> come up and uh, circulate, but also we want all our bodies to be involved and to just to get this feel of what democracy, freedom and dignity smell like. But we just have. An important disclaimer, we don't want our guests to go to the front line. Of course, no, we no. will take maximum care of their safety. And it's it's pretty safe in Kiev. It's yes. it's nothing to worry about. I mean, I mean, of course, there are always risks, but we would do everything to minimize them. If if we follow procedures, we we know that after the air alert, like after the sirens, we just need to go to the, and we to the are... basement or to the metro. And if we follow the protocols, there is not really no problem with safety. Yes. And we are going to make the, the, the main event in the conference hall, which is in the basement, which is by itself a bomb shelter. So so there's the, it, it should be interesting. Well, I know, I know uh, death is unavoidable. But I could think of worse ways to die than dying with a bunch of heroes, you know? <laughs> gotta go, God, that's not bad. I'm not suicidal and all, but, you know, there's worse ways to go. We hope that everybody will be safe. You know, and I'm I'm a U.S. Army veteran. I'm a little veteran half of the American flag. I just imagine myself saluting everybody I see and hugging them and crying. You're going to have to, like, put me in a, an armor paint or something. It's just feel... So much admiration. If I were younger, I'm sure I would have joined the International Brigade and tried to contribute that way. But it just caught me at the uh, you know time, and it's not uh, my time to do that anymore. So, of course, but you are contributing in so many ways, John. Thank you. Well, we talked about. Would this be a good time to play the song? Absolutely, because this is one of the greatest contribution I believe that that yeah. you're you're making. Okay, let me say a little about it. I was struggling with this, and I'd written songs years ago, and I don't remember how to write a song. Worked on it, worked on it, prayed about it. The The chorus started coming out. And the chorus is something you can just sing and shout and just ah, get it out. And uh, then the um, the chord pattern and the verses just started coming, just started coming. It's like it was just... And and then there's the last coda where it kind of changes. And in the end, it gets to this just repeated chorus. And uh, it was me, my voice, and my wife, because Heidi, uh, our producer here, said, there's no feminine voices in here. So Pam went down and, and we you know, recorded and so it has a feminine voice. And then at the end, you have me just crying out over the choruses and trying to say, you know, I can't be there. I can't fight. But God help me to put my heart and soul into this so it may do some good so it's also it's on apple music cd baby and spotify so take it want to use it for anything to raise money for support ah, please use it as medicine to help this country and our brothers and sisters in ukraine so vanessa are you ready on your end
brothers and sisters beautiful beautiful delightful yeah. i wanted to go in, into my heavy metal mode 
Yeah, that was me playing lead guitar too, by the way. Wonderful. Is there any way where people can help organizations where we can send money or what you recommend and then we can, you know, we can put it out there and how to get involved, you know, on our end? Yeah, yeah. We can probably recommend a couple of the most reliable charities in Ukraine. Uh, send you, we may send you the links so you can put it in the description and they are absolutely reliable and they're wonderful teams of people who are really thinking through every detail where to put money best. And we are, we are not trying to duplicate, you know, all these efforts. We, we just trust them and, and support them as well. And there's always United24. Remember that this is an initiative coming from Zelensky and supported by many world-renowned experts, including Timothy Snyder, who has raised a lot of money with his lectures about modern Ukraine. That we actually highly recommend, something truly, truly important to, to listen to, to know the context so we'll be very happy to to help with the details. Yes. Okay. Anything else, Beatus, that we you need to say? Mm. Yes, I think our our big request to all the listeners is we cannot allow the Ukraine fatigue. Please help us with with supporting Ukraine in its spirit, in its fight. Just be as active as possible. If you wish to come to Ukraine, please be aware that you're always welcome and you have people who could be the anchors, someone who would always support and advise and do whatever is possible for your safety and well-being. Yeah, just just be very conscious that the the battle is still going on. It's in a in a very very hot phase. The victory is not yet tangible. Although there are things that are already acknowledged, like Ukraine's agency is already acknowledged. Fi- finally, we have the status of uh, of the country that has a voice, and. Uh, we hope that no negotiations will be held without Ukraine. And we are kind of reassured that most mm-hmm. probably it will be like that. Yeah. And from my side, for the final notes, I would probably want to say that to the addressing the broader audience of, of the Americans, probably it's not, not exactly the audience of your podcast, but the broader audience. On the one hand, we are enormously, enormously grateful for the support of the USA, which is the the main kind of the backbone of, of support, you know. And I want to say that this war is not far from you because we sometimes hear those echoes that, oh, it's it's far. It doesn't bother us. It's It's not related to us. It is not far. It is not far because we you can't imagine what would happen to the whole world system and setup if Putin wins. And it would it would become such a big problem for every single American. So the Europeans have already woken up to this truth. They they already understand that Putin would never stop. He would go further west and he would expand this war. But the even for the Americans and even for the Asians, there's of course this. China Taiwan tension I don't want to go in there but it also depends on the on the Ukrainian scenario but even for the Americans it is not far from you it is so 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 we are deeply deeply grateful for all your support yeah and don't get cynical if we fall into cynicism Putin wins you know 
So keep Absolutely. your mind and your heart open, even if it's painful. Yeah. If you want to try out your courage, just come to Ukraine and enjoy wonderful restaurants that are open, theaters, Ukrainian speaking, English speaking, wonderful communities, bars. A lot of volunteering initiatives where you, you can just join and, and a lot of creative spaces, a lot of space for creativity generally. Yeah. Well, brilliant, you guys. Thank you so much. It's so good to see you again. I love you, and it's such an honor to talk with you. And thank you for your heroic struggle and all that you've been doing. Maybe sometime in, in better times, we could come back and you could talk more about the psychology, the issues that you've learned through going through this. And you already mentioned a bit that when you have meaning and purpose in a community, it ain't nearly as bad as when you don't. And the, what you're learning about leadership, I mean, this would be Oh, very important issue for me. That would be extraordinary. So let's keep Pleasure. that future. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for all your support. All, all the feelings are very mutual. Thank you. Thank you, John. We love you. Bye. Today's episode was brought to you by iAwake Technologies. Visit the Deep Transformation website to find out more about iAwake's audio tools designed to wake us up, grow us up as a part of our daily deep transformational practice. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Deep Transformation Podcast, and we greatly appreciate your comments, suggestions, and questions. Thank you for all you are and all you do. From John, Roger, and the Deep Transformation team.